Sometimes it can be a really great thing, too, even when it hurts us. I bring this up because a good friend of mine on the internet um, that I've known for years, since 2009, I believe, just had his heart broken the way we all have with WWE. And so he's going to stop watching wrestling altogether. Um, he, can't, he can't find anything... To enjoy in professional wrestling, he said, you know, it's passed him by. You know, he said he, he said to enjoy the Wednesday Night War. That uh, he'll that, but is, but he'll be he'll be the angry old man shaking his his fist at the clouds, but not doing it vocally to complain about what the rest of us are loving. It is it is really hard for me to understand. I'm not going to tell anybody how to be a wrestling fan. I'm not going to tell anybody how to enjoy something. I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to condemn him for his beliefs, but at the same time, I'm going to point out the fact that there's lots of different wrestling promotions out there. So, if you're in the same boat as Plan, um, who does our sports entertainment is dead show and also half of um, the right side of the pond, and you're and you're just in a place where. You're looking at everything out there in pro wrestling and thinking that there's nothing out there for you, I encourage you to look again. There's Evolve. There's Impact Wrestling, which is, which is booking in a, a very unique blend of sports entertainment along with the old ECW style. Uh, you have MLW, which only asks you to devote an hour a week to its product and is very strongly booked with some outstanding matches. Uh, you have, of course, AEW. Um, you have... Yeah. Right. And, and and they've been booking that strongly for almost two years now. Um, and there's also Beyond Wrestling out there. You know, there's All-American Wrestling. There's lots of stuff that you can find to pique your, any fan's interest. And, and it seems curious timing to me, to me for someone who is a fan of old school wrestling and wants things, wants things to go back to the way they, they were. Because it was also the first week of NWA Power, 
which had a very unique old school feel to it as well. So, um, I, I, I get so um, the the only the only thing the only thing that <laughs> the, the, I'm going to close by saying this, um, and I and I and I said this um, and I said this to close out our Patreon shows last week. Uh, cheap plug. Um, but it's also the way Shine Down and Train close out their concerts, and it's it's simply this. As a longtime fan of pro wrestling, who ha- who has seen the product, um, who has seen the product ebb and flow, and seen things that have turned me away from it, time after time, and always found my way back to it, I will say that when you're a professional wrestling fan, just like when you're a pro wrestling announcer, or a pro wrestling booker or a pro wrestling vice president, <laughs> or a pro wrestling fan, it's never goodbye. It's always until next time. I think it was like eight or nine, but yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. The doc called it the mothership this week on on his podcast, and, and I and I cringed at that term, but I mean they're definitely the dominant force in professional wrestling since you know at least two thousand one. And let's not kid ourselves. They they basically were for ten years before that. For ever since WrestleMania started up through, and then started buying all the territories out. You know, up through when Nitro started. So there was really only like a six year span where they weren't the dominant force in pro wrestling. And I wouldn't even say six years. Yeah, five years maybe, four or five years.
with Kelly and Eric have brought multiple times to this point, and they just weren't the same company that they were. So, I mean, if you want to look at it, and, and I see what Kelly's doing there, and I see the back and forth. The WWE people that have not been to the Kelly Kelsey event are people that have not watched the program in Japan. And not just those AEW guys, they also and um, you know, some of the other organizations in Japan, New Japan Mark, you know, all of Creative Engine, um, pretty much all over Europe. If you haven't gone out and reached out to find this other great content, the only thing you've known for the last couple of years is WWE. Right. It's and and I, it's just sad to me that you know we lose we're losing such a such an intelligent um, wrestling fan who was passionate about so much of the product, you know. But that's what WWE has is, is done is just for they force people away by by the, by what they're doing these days, and they don't and and you know what and they and and they don't care they don't want us they want the mainstream people they don't want the pro wrestling fans. Yep. So it's, it, it's, it's obvious that when it comes to the hardcore fans, the ruthless fans, they don't care. All they care about is that, that next title run. You know, and that being said, you know, I'm not, you know, and, and Brian, if you're listening, if you ever want to come on here and, and I could be a rough spot on you, I'd be a jerk back, and we would be able to get into it easily. Absolutely. Was thinking because that was such garbage. Um, 
but I get kind of in a fit where they were coming from with the Kofi Kingston thing, even though I don't agree with it, even though I can't stand when someone walks in off the street and gets a title shot like Velasquez's, <laughs> I get kind of where they're going because it was their first night on Fox and they're trying to pump up the ratings. They're trying to get people talking and buzz. And who's going to make a better, bigger buzz than a guy who was a superstar in the UFC? Don't know, don't care. Um, well, you thought the uh, Velveteen Dream thing was silly. Right, that's what I'm saying. Outside of the Velveteen Dream thing. No, I don't think so. In the last month, in the last month, you have taken WWE to new heights yourself. No, and I, I don't think they've, they've got, well, I, I, I mean, other than Bree Zongo, I guess, is the other thing. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I mean, They did. No, he wasn't, but he, he, sure, he sure made his presence felt, didn't he? Has he even had an, has he ever actually, well, you and I don't follow NXT that closely, at least we didn't until now, but, but has, has he actually ever had a match on NXT? Yeah, I haven't seen him have, have any matches at all, so I, I have no idea if he's just out there to be the, the be the enforcer. I mean, I mean, I know he wasn't that strong of a wrestler when he was in TNA previously, but or was he in Impact? I don't remember which one. Same difference. Okay. Right. That's what I was asking. Was he in TNA or was he in Impact? So I couldn't remember if he was there before they became Impact or if he was there. After the after they became Impact, or both. Well, he's he's been in WWE now since late last year, so he might have been there through the because they've been Impact for what three years now. Yeah, I think something like that.
Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. No, it's okay. I just, My voice has been going in and out, so I'm drinking tea and lemon and trying to keep it somewhat solid. I just realized that you were on the wrong audio setting, and so nobody's heard your side of the conversation the entire show until now. Oh, well, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, guys. You haven't missed anything. So um, let's go ahead and, and let's, let's talk about NXT a bit on the, uh, on the show other than the... the uh, it had a few good about. points there, so... You people are going to have to listen to our Patreon feed because you'll get my side of things. Nope. I had one or two points in there. Um, yeah, fair enough. So the opening of the show saw um, Leo Rush defeat Drew Gulak for the NXT. I don't, I don't even want to talk about this because this was just such bullshit. I don't even want to talk about it. This is, And for those of you that missed my little bit in the beginning, um, I hate... When people come in off the street and get a number one contender match or get a championship match right off the bat and win, I hate it. It's one of the few things that I absolutely despise. You need to earn your shit. Plain and simple. And I don't yeah, feel like Leo Rush has I mean, earned anything. I mean, Leo anything. has been on the shelf for months. Drew Gulak has been tearing it up. On, see on in the cruiserweight class, in the cruiserweight show two hundred five live, um, on Evolve and his matches he's had on there, and but no, we have a shiny new TV show, so and so let's not give Drew Gulak any time to shine as the champion on that show. Instead, let's put on a guy who's been on the shelf for months and has had two matches back. Well, Brilliant not just job. on the shelf. Brilliant job. No, I'm, I'm not saying just on the shelf in months. He has not only been on the shelf for months, but before that, the last six months before that, he was a spokesman for one of the least charismatic people in the history of WWE. Granted, he had some charisma when he was in TNA and Impact, but Bobby Lashley is the most boring character on the planet. And Leo Rush was his spokesman for six months. So it's been legitimately a year before Leo Rush has been a, a, a been an in-ring performer performing at the level where he deserves a cruiserweight shot. Yep, I totally agree with that. And, and yet, now he's our cruiserweight champion. Exactly. And Drew Gulak... Drew Gulak has <laughs> right. Drew Gulak has earned everything he's gotten. From the moment he was on 205 Live, he was the most compelling character on that show. And I'm saying that was when uh, Neville was there. That was when Buddy Murphy was controlling the roost. It the fact that Gulak and his picketing and his, um, you know, trying to get the high flying out of cruiserweights was such a compelling story that since the beginning of 205, he's been the best thing on it. He deserved the championship. He deserved to be the guy to bring it to the next, to the next realm. You know, and if you look at the list of guys he's beaten, I mean, he beat Kushida. Kushida's in the damn main event of this last week's NXT. Wait, 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 wait. That's impossible. He could not have beaten Kushida. We must have been wrong about that. 
Oh, wait, that was on Evolve, so it didn't happen. Because both Walter and Kushida were undefeated. Yeah, and what you were texting me a couple days ago, and I'm like, why are you asking me this? And then when I was watching the match, I was like, okay, now I get it. Because <laughs> yeah. they kept because bringing up his undefeated... Say, you cannot say that Kushida is undefeated if he wrestled for... When he lost to Gulak. For your fucking promotion and lost. Right. If it had been a non-title <laughs> on Evolve, I would have been fine with him saying that he was undefeated. If he'd wrestled somebody that wasn't part of your roster on Evolve and, lo- and lost, I've been fine with you saying he was undefeated because he was still undefeated for your company. When he's lost a match in which, is, in which a title was on the line that represents your company, and specifically the title you just added to your show, the Cruiserweight Championship... You're motherfucking lying to us by saying somebody's O has got to go. Somebody's O left town, had a drink, had a Bloody Mary on its way, and then crashed into a tree. Okay, rant over. Into a tree? Yeah. Into a tree. Into a tree. Sorry, that just made me... Did I break your record over there or what? Yeah, I think he did, actually. <laughs> no, this, and, and to be honest, you know, I, that kind of, that kind of jumped at me again. Beth Phoenix. Oh my God. Stop. It's time for the Beth Phoenix experience to experiment, to go away. And look, I love edge. I love his commentary. I love his backstage segments, everything about edge. I love, and I know Beth Phoenix is his wife in the ring. There are very few competitors on this planet that are better than Beth Phoenix. On the microphone, she needs to shut up. Seriously, I I can't stomach she gets paid, she her gets paid consistent. Talk. She gets paid to talk, so tell her to shut up. It's probably not going to work. <sighs> oh, I know, but still, come on. Look, Roderick Strong versus uh, Isaiah Scott. Great that, and I know how much you hate Swerve. I know how much you hate Shane Strickland, but well, you have to admit that was a really good match. I was going to say, well, you know, <laughs> that was a just, really, just, really you know, good I, I match. Really, I really enjoyed him in Lucha Underground as Killshot, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed him in this match against Roderick Strong, which makes me wonder why the fuck didn't he bring this kind of energy when he was Shane Strickland in MLW Tweet. as their champion? Or in Evolve. He was not this guy in Evolve either. Right. It, it's amazing. This is the guy that I remember from Lucha Underground. And he was he was energetic. He was he was on point. He mixed in some offense that I've literally never seen before. And that's weird with the amount of wrestling that we watch to see something we've never seen before is really kind of impressive. It is. And I, and I really I and he, did enjoy his work in this match. I, I did think it went a little bit too long. I, I, I thought there was just a little bit too much offense by him. But, I mean, that's that's not just his fault. That's also the you know the agent's fault, well, the body's fault as well. But I, I, I just feel like it was going like, to a little bit too much towards Swerve's side. But well, it was still some energy behind it. If, if you look at the thing that has made Roddy popular... And I, honest to God, I have not liked him until his uh, heel turn 
and his um, relationship with Undisputed Era. But he was always that baby face in peril. He just was. He was always that, oh, Jesus, Kushida just dropped that. Sorry, watching the main event right now. And Kushida just missed that, uh, missed a springboard attempt. Um, so, And the crowd did not chant, you fucked up, which surprised the hell out of me. Right, which is weird for this crowd, considering there's only 500 people in there. <laughs> Sorry, I had to bring that back. Um, but no, Roddy, Roddy has been one of those guys where he's always pissed me off because he is that ridiculous baby face that is just that baby face to be a baby face. There's nothing likable about him. He is a perfect heel, and he's proving that now. But he has always been that guy when it's like, okay, you're going to bump for everybody. You're going to make everybody look good. And I felt like he played that role to perfection against Isaiah Scott or Swerve or what are we calling him? Are we going to call him Shane or what are we calling him? Do we go by his name now? Yeah, we'll just call him him Isaiah Scott because that's what what they're calling him. Okay, or should we just call him Swerve? The other thing is like is like you know watching, you know watching this match, um, I it was the first time that I actually got behind the crowd and I'm like you know if he keeps wrestling like this then I could, then I'd be I'd be fine with the whole you know whose house swerve swerve house thing, you know right exactly and and and, and I had not seen that for from him since his Lucha Underground days. I think we got really soured by his MLW run, to be honest. Yeah, because he was terrible. He was so. Oh, he was. He was brutal. And even his, um, after he lost the championship, that, you know, two, three months he was still with the company was awful. And he was terrible at it. Yeah, he was. And, and, so, I mean, I, I, I get it. I get the angst and the anger with him. But at the same time, when you see a match like he put on here against a guy, and, and I think Roderick Strong might have been his best opponent. Because Roderick Strong is the kind of guy that can, he's a Dolph Ziggler type seller. He makes everything look like it's the hardest hit on the planet. And that's one thing I really have always liked about Roderick Strong is his selling ability. And the fact that he can come out with a uh, a backbreaker out of nowhere. Yeah, he does. I, I, and clearly I my voice is still not fully back. I've always enjoyed that about, about Roderick Strong, and you're right; he does have the have the ability to, to sell and sell. But I, but my, but my thing with it is is that, um, you know, you had said you know about a month ago on the show that um, that you were a bit down on my boy Shane Taylor because you don't like the way he's been structuring his matches, and I felt like t- like Strong in his first time he's wrestling since he won the North 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 America Championship was doing the same thing that, that Taylor did the first time, you know, his first couple of matches as the TV champion ROH, you know, and I realized that they had different body styles and I realized it's a different situation, but still, I think that giving 80% of the match to somebody else when you're the champion is a, um, is a bad idea. I get it. Idea. Especially when you're a heel, especially when you're a heel champion, when you're a heel champion, you dominate 99% of the match and they get a little bit of offense in. That's the way a heel champion should be. So I get it with you and uh, Shane Taylor. And I, if for some reason, maybe it was just the quality of this match that I'm a little bit di- indifferent on it. 
but I just felt like this was one of the most um, back and forth, evenly matched matches I've seen in a while. And the fact that uh, that Roddy was able to not and in here's I guess I remember remember uh, two weeks ago I, or three was it three now when he won it when he won the title I when I said that the when I said that the thing I hated the most was the fact that the undisputed era got involved and, and you know Adam Cole hit that super kick and so on and it made him look weak. I did not feel like he looked weak in this match at all. At all. I mean, and that's another thing that annoyed me about Jesus. Walter just ran face first into a post. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I got to stop. I got to stop watching this. Because I, because I was, you know, as I was watching it, I was like, okay, Swerve is getting a lot of offense in here. He is dominating this match, but I but I still never really felt like Strong was going to lose it. No, you know, and and, 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 and you know even the, the thing and the thing with the with the undisputed era in this one is they did not get physically involved. They were oh. about ten feet away from the from the ring um, from the ring apron, and Swerve turned around to look at them, got caught with a sick kick, and then got caught with the end of heartache, and the match was over. And Beth Phoenix right. reacted like they shot an arrow into his heart or something. And that's that is the one criticism. Well, no, I guess I've got many criticisms of Beth Phoenix, but the one criticism I had of this match was the way she was like, "You got to give the assist to the undisputed era." It's like, no, you don't. They were nowhere near the ring. What made them different than a ring? Uh, than you know, a manager. Exactly. Swerve looked around, got caught. Plain and simple. If if she would have sold it like, hey, you know, Roddy's been in NXT for a couple of years. Swerve, this is his first year here. Rookie mistake. It would have been much better. But the way that she sold it, and this is one of the biggest problems I have with NXT right now, is the announcing. Outside of Nigel, I don't like either one of those two. And I and I know I used to like Mauro. No, I, I, I was going to say, I, I used to like Morrow when he was in SmackDown. But this last three or four weeks, I don't know if it's because of the network change. I don't know what is going on with him. But he is so over the top, I cannot listen to him. And then you've got Beth Phoenix, who is miscalling moves, who is throwing just shit out there that just shouldn't be out there, like the whole Undisputed Era getting the assist. It, it's really hard to listen to these two. And you can hear it with Nigel. I think Nigel's frustrated too because he'll just all of a sudden just shut up and not say a word for like minutes at a time. Yeah, I I, I do feel like they, they're they saying way too much and, and not saying they're, – they're talking way too much without, without saying anything. And and Ronaldo, this is the first week I felt like that, that about Ronaldo. Like I said to you before, I, I thought his commentary was fine. I thought Beth was fine, but this week I definitely, you know, I, I, the Beth stuff was getting to me, and then when Ronaldo was, like, saying a bunch of things, like, just even even before between matches, like, he was, and I can't, and I can't, and I can't even think of an exact, of a specific example, but he would say things that shouldn't have been that big a deal, as if they were the biggest thing in the world. And, right, and that's what I was saying last week, and maybe I pointed it out, that's why you noticed it more, um, 
but that's what I was saying last week is he is just everything to him is the biggest deal that's ever happened ever, ever. I think, um, and it's just really not. I think it might have been a combination of you pointing it out, but I think a larger factor of it might have been simply the fact that both shows are kind of starting with, with them, with the announcers talking. And I see the professionalism that, you know, Shivani Ross and Excalibur have treating it like, like it's a real sport and not not getting so emotional about it. And then I hear Ronaldo going over the top, and I'm like, dude, seriously, cool it. Right. It 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 is really it's really rough, and and I hate to say that because, like I said, I really liked him when he was on SmackDown. I took his side in the whole JBL thing, but he. <laughs> This last few weeks, and and I don't know, I liked him on the last couple of takeovers. I thought he was okay. I don't know if it's just the fact that he is ramped for the TV, and he's trying to put you know this best foot forward type thing, or if he is just if this is just him. I don't know. I feel I feel like he and Beth are talking are, are both trying to get as much out as they possibly can say in each match, and you're, they don't give anything room to breathe. And I think that I think that might be a reason no, why they don't. being quiet is just to let the match, just let the, the action come. You know. Well, and then when you listen to Nigel too, like he'll say something, and then one of the two of them will cut him off, and he'll just stop, just stop, and won't say another word for like two or three minutes. The other thing I want to say about this show is that, and it's actually like right after the segment we've been talking about, is remember, you know, I remember when when I loved the fact that Tommaso Ciampa had no music. Oh, I love, I just love Tommaso Ciampa. And, and now, and now when I hear no one will survive, I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't even need to hear survive. that. The second I hear that. The second I hear those that monitor beeping, yeah. I'm all in. I'm like, oh hell yeah, it's gonna get good now. And, that's and the that fact that I mean, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say the Velveteen Dream scene with him trying to call out Roddy and making you know the picture and everything on the wall that um, kind of got ruined by Mauro Ronello earlier on in the match talking about it. I think if Morrow had shut the hell up and just let that play out the way that it did, it would have been had more of an impact to the at-home audience, first of all. Secondly, Velveteen Dream has not done a good job in this last two weeks of selling himself. as a. I, I don't know what he's trying to do. Is he trying to be a Goldust character? Is he trying to be something unique? Why should we care about him? I got it on that first I got it last week. Okay, you get your top one of your top guys out there just in any way possible. But this week he should have had a match. He should have had a match to sell people why do we give a shit about this guy? And then when you had, you know, when Champa's music hit and it was just that graphic. The second that graphic hit, I was like, okay, now shit's going to get good. And you had Adam Cole talking in the middle of the ring. You had him selling everything that he could. And then you had that heartbeat, that heart monitor hit with the beep, 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 beep. And then the no one will survive. The way that it electrified the crowd is amazing because we are now getting back 
one of the top heels in the wrestling business. He was a guy that what you and I voted as the heel of the year last year. Yeah. yeah. And then he, um, in the end, he was, I think he was number, what, number two on my list of wrestler of the year. I, I think he might've been number four on mine, but, um, the fact that he came out and just a two word, you know, just a two sentence promo Goldie, I'm home. Goldie Daddy's Home was such a great promo that you never hear anything like that these days. And everybody understood it. Everybody that's been an NXT fan was like, oh, hell yeah, it's on now. Well, and the, and, and the crowd's immediate, immediate reaction. Right. Was, you know, yeah, the crowd did a great was, job of selling that too. Yeah, the immediate reaction was to chant Daddy's Home. So. Yep. And the the crowd did a great job of selling that. Um, you know, anybody that's watched him over the last couple of years understands his, uh, you know, his obsession with Goldie. You know, there was just a lot of good out of that promo. A lot of good. And it was a three-word promo. Yeah. And then I love and I loved the scene that when they came back from commercial, too. You know, where, where uh, what's his name, Garza was yelling at him in Spanish, and then... He decked him, yep. and then the announce, and then the the chick in the back was like, "What did he say?" And I knew what he was going to say before he said it, but it was still awesome. I'm right. <laughs> well, and they've got a match between next next week is Champa versus Garza, so we're going to get get to see Champa in the ring before he ends up with the title shot, which is something that I really like. I I hated the way that um I. For some reason, and you know, we talked about this on AEW, and I talked about it now tonight. It, it, there's something I hate about someone coming in, not even in the talk of number one contender, and winning a number one contender match. I hated it, whether it had been Darby Allen or Jimmy Havoc last week. I would not have liked it. I just think that they should let. Jericho breathe at this point until his match against Cody. There There's no had, need. But it had already been announced that he was going to be defending the title on the third episode of the show. So what? So they had to set up a title match somehow. Yeah, I know. But why did they need to announce that? Why did that need to happen? It just really didn't. Well, maybe they're going In to my mind, it didn't. Maybe they're going to the whole 30-day defense rule. I really don't know. Oh, that's a possibility. That makes sense. That actually makes sense. But, you know, and then you had, like, tonight we had Leo Rush, and now you've got Ciampa, and the fact that Ciampa's actually going to be in a, let's say it, squash match next week to build himself up to title contention kind of makes me happy about where they're going with it. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because we because they, they had a couple of, and they had a couple of, uh, I don't know, vignettes about Vin Bauer, Vin Finn Bauer this week, which I thought was really fucking unnecessary, but uh, right. But they had they had those this week, so obviously they, and he wasn't even on the show, so it's like it's like to build him up that way. Um, but speaking of next week, did you see what the lineup is for AEW next week? Yeah, I did. How oh, fucking amazing! And I right. Say, you know, it's it's like it's like a two hour it's like a pay per view card. It's a, I mean, which I mean, both both titles are on the line. Then there is the two semifinal, the two other quarterfinal matches in the tag team title tournament, 
And then I believe, and then we also have John Moxley and Pack facing Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. I mean, what the fuck, man? That's awesome. Did I lose you? No, I'm here. I'm here. I was just letting you finish. Oh, I said that's awesome. Then you, and then I, yeah, never mind. So oh, I know. For, Come for on. AEW this week, I, I still have no voice. Remember. First Jericho is defending the world title against Darby Allen in a Philadelphia street fight. Rio was defending the, the um, women's championship against uh, Britt Brit Baker. Um, wait, 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 title wait, so wait, 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 yeah. hold on, Imp, Imp, Kathy, listen to what I'm about to say here. Britt Baker just got a title shot, but Sean, uh, Sean Spears cannot be in the match with two title holders I said ugh didn't I <laughs> well I know I get it but still <laughs> these are our golden children these are the ones we're putting everything behind and they're still doing that kind of stuff uh, Lucha Bros versus Jurassic Express and then like I said Moxie and Pack against Omega and Hangman Page so, I mean that's just an, that's just an awesome card to me Omega versus Hangman Page I didn't see that one. Is that no? no Omega and Hangman Page are, are teaming up against Pac. Okay. And uh, uh, Moxley. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So I'm, I'm so I'm really looking forward to that. Show. And of course, we will be doing Dynamite After Dark right after they go off the air on Wednesday night as well. Um. Right. Exactly. So, so let's roll into your thoughts about Great Power. You said you had some. About, yeah, uh, um, it's weird because I loved it. Yeah, I thought Eli Drake's match, I thought the Tim Storm, Nick Aldis match were great. I loved the Eddie Kingston debut. Um, that first tag match, and I can't remember who it was, but the interview they had afterwards was a lot of fun, and I think something that can build for future the thing I didn't like, and it, it's weird. This is a, a weird statement to make. Go ahead. Wait, what? You better not say what I think you're going to say, but go ahead. I loved, but I hated the whole nostalgic thing. I loved it for a one-time thing. It was great to see the old stage, the old logos the old banners everything was great to have the interviews in the back at the table was all great i cannot see that going forward it was great for a one-time nostalgia thing but i don't want to see that next week tomorrow actually yeah yeah tomorrow so why not i just think it's it's great, like I said, for a nostalgia thing. It's great to bring it back and say, hey, look, this is what he, the way it used to be back in 1983. But we are 19, we're 2019. We can't expect to see studio wrestling like it was back in 1983. That's what they're the entire time. They're going to be doing if that's the case, I won't be able to watch it, regardless of how great the wrestling is. I don't see why not. I mean, you and I, you and I agreed last week that we don't 
don't care if there's 500 fans like there are in NXT or 15,000 fans like they are, like there are in AEW as long as the wrestling product is strong. And if, and if that's the case, why does it but, matter if they're in a studio or not? Because of the way they're presenting it. it it's okay. It's so because, different. So because they're presenting it so that you walk from the ring over to the studio rather than go, rather than having a fake backstage segment with like uh, drapes hanging up, then that's bad. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, then, then the way that they explain more what you're saying. The way that they presented it with everything being so old school, like nothing was updated. It literally wa- looked like I was watching an NWA show from 1983. I don't, I don't mind the studio feel. I don't mind the, um, the fact that they do an interview on their way to the ring and they do an interview on their way back. I don't mind that stuff. I just think it needs to be updated now for 25 years later, almost 30 years later. Right. We, we it, it's just. And that's fine. And, and I see where you're coming from. It's just not my cup of tea. It, it was great. What do, they do? what do they do that's so high tech and amazing and, um, and modern? I mean, they, Nothing. They, 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 to me, they feel like, you know, like, watch, like I'm watching global or world class. Right. And there's nothing. But the difference is they are not. Le- like when I was watching this YouTube, it was on YouTube. And that's unfortunately right now the only place you can get is YouTube. But they even had. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, okay. But they had a pre-produced retro commercial for a wrestling school, and they made it as yeah, it was hilarious. But the problem is, it was cut off halfway between because of a YouTube video, because of a YouTube ad break. So. I got like half of this retro fucking commercial, which I thought was brilliant. One of the greatest things I've ever seen. And halfway through it, they cut it off for a a YouTube commercial break. And then they come back to the same commercial halfway through it. It, It's just, I, I like where they're going. I really do. I like the fact that they're, they're going so hard into the nostalgia thing, but I just think, the fact that it's on YouTube, the fact that we are now 30 years past that, they're not going to get that style and that look over in today's world. And I really hope that they progress from that. From that. Oh, that was brilliant. That was amazing. Are you kidding? That was amazing. I loved every second of that. I loved when he came out and 
threaten Cornette. He demands Storm. Right. Storm, but not the one he was, he was anticipating. Right. <laughs> it, that was so much fun. And I love the fact that that's the way it played out. And, the, and, the, and, and Cornette, and I can't remember who the other announcer is, but okay. the way they were like, I don't work for him. you got to go talk to him. And then James, Storm's come, James Storm comes out. I thought that was just brilliantly done. And I really liked Eli Drake's performance from start to finish. And yeah, he did a lot of the same Eli Drake stuff we're accustomed to in Impact, but it is still one of those things that really holds true. And something I really like about Eli Drake and always have is the fact that he can sell his personality to anybody. And he did it here too. No, no, I'm, I was done. The only thing I didn't like about the UA Drake thing is that he was in the middle of talking and then he stopped and said, let me talk to you. And it was right. Like, he had to get that catchphrase in. Well, yeah. Even though it was so inorganic because he was already actually having a conversation. You know, that, that's the only thing I didn't like about it. But it, it, Because it's, it's what we talked about before. It's like, you know, UA Drake is like, you know, like something like The Rock where he has to get his, his spots in. And, and and most of his spots I enjoy, like the dummy yeah stuff or, you know, but... But to me, when you said when you have when you're in the middle of talking and then you stop to say, "Let me talk to you," it really took me out of that moment. I think you should have just kept going with what he was saying. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest complaints I had about The Rock forever was the fact that he would do his little catchphrase, and then the crowd is cheering, and whoever he's talking to would kind of try and want to change the subject, and he'd be like, "No, wait, wait." Let me go back to this catchphrase. And I, I did, I do understand what you're saying, and I got that from him too. But all in all, I've, I'm still an Eli Drake fan. I have been for years, years. And even though I've said it on this show, I've said it in person, I, I'm not a fan of his The Rock persona where he's gotten down to even not just the catchphrases, but if you listen to his intro music, his entrance music, it sounds a lot like the rocks music. It's like, it's a complete rip off of the rock. And this guy has so much charisma. He has so much talent in the ring and he is such a great talker on the mic. I wish he would get away from that whole rock gimmick. But in all reality, it's making him him money at the same point. He's getting paid because he's doing it. I just kind of wish personally that we could see the real Eli Drake and not a rock impersonation. Yeah, but like you said, it was making him money and it's getting him over. Then you know why why change it? Why? Yeah, exactly. Why change it? It's just me being a fan, me being wanting to see what I want to see. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wondered after seeing Kingston and Homicide if they're bringing in uh, uh, Fernandez too. But I guess I guess we'll see, or maybe it's just Kingston and Homicide will be challenging Wild Card for the for the tag titles. I love that they're calling themselves that. Way, but yeah, I do too. <laughs> you know. For a second, I heard that I was like, okay, I like this. I like this nickname. I like this tag name. Not that I can think of. Well, MLW really didn't have much, and I haven't seen, and maybe I'll have more to comment 
after I've seen the Austin Aries versus Brian Pillman match. I still haven't seen it. But they still continue to put out the best product out there. Regardless of company, Impact has been really good. But I've, I haven't seen the last two weeks, so I can't really comment much. But they do put out some good product, too. But no, I I, I really don't have much else. Holy shit, are we ending this an hour in? Just about an hour, yeah. Um, you know what? <gasps> I, I, what I should say is uh, you should watch at least the Impact match with uh, um, Eddie Edwards taking on Reno Scum. Because Eddie Edwards was supposed to take a mystery partner. Or he was supposed to be a, par- a partner of his choosing. And he's in the back, he's talking, and Tommy Dreamer's sitting against a wall. He's talking, Tommy Dreamer's responding. And then he reaches behind Tommy and grabs Kenny, and Kenny is his tag team partner for the match. That's awesome. That, that's that's awesome. Please tell me he tags in Kenny. Wait, is Kenny still alive? I thought Kenny died like five, six shows ago. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know which Kenny this is. Kenny. This might be this. This has to be three at this point. Right. The gap between the bamboo. So you might yep. wonder what happened if, if, if Kenny wasn't holding on to the tag ropes. Nope, he's the middle between those splinters. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> That's the greatest thing I've heard. <laughs> Which impact was it, right? What's that? Which impact was it? I'm watching the sun. See that. I need to see that. That sounds like an amazing for Eddie Edwards. And he's gotten to where I know in the beginning I was critical of him and his whole persona. He's become part so where it's more believable now than it was six ago or a year ago. I think he's got balance in it. I, you know, I, I still don't necessarily believe him as a crazy kind of nice balance between you know, having a bit of sanity and, and also and, and being a, you know, a more of a, a, a great technical wrestler. The fact that he tagged in his kendo stick just proves it, right? If he can pull that off and make it somewhat believable, he is the insane person that I've wanted him to be for the last year. Oh, my God. I have to watch this. Did I tell you I've been watching uh, a lot of uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood lately? It's kind of been my go-to when I go to bed is just throwing that on. I am really starting to enjoy some of the characters. Peter Avalon, of course, uh, Tim Storm. But Reno Scum is a tag team that I'm really starting to like. So I, I need to see them do a swanton on a kendo stick. I just need to see that. So that's what I'm watching as soon as we're done here. Yeah, I don't remember the, I don't remember the, uh, the littler guy's name, but he's the one that tries to do the, the side of the Kendall stick. That's awesome. <laughs> that's just amazing. Just amazing. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. All right, so. You know what? I do want to mention one more thing about the NWA show that I forgot to mention before. So we're not going to get quick and get out of here in an hour, but do you think 
Tim Storm's actions in that match mean that he's going to be turning heel, or was it just an act of de de desperation? By desperation? I think, to be honest, I think the only way he gets another title shot at any time is to turn heel. And because if he turns heel, he can some figure out a way just through sneaky shit. If he's a face, he walks away. So I think the fact that he... No, but I just felt, I felt like the way that he... I felt like it was a legit heel turn. I really did. And I think that it's going to end up leading him to another title match. Maybe not against Aldis, but against somebody soon. Could be, yeah. Because it didn't have that... I mean, usually when you have that kind of stipulation that you can't challenge as long as so-and-so holds a championship. And this one, this was, you know, you'll never challenge for the championship again. Right. And that's what I'm saying is I think... By him becoming he, if, I mean, if he's a baby face, he's never going to challenge that. Oh, I lost. I can never challenge again. But if he's a heel, I mean, just remember Christian uh, back in his feud with Randy Orton. It was always just give me one more shot, one more shot, one more shot. And I think a heel teal Tim Storm could do that. And to be honest, it's probably time for a heel Tim, Tim Storm anyway. And I, I was kind of thinking that about Eli Drake, too. He doesn't seem like a heel or a face. He just, he's kind of a character. And that's something you... Right, exactly. And that's something you and I have been saying we've wanted for a long, long time. It's for just people to be people. You know, in boxing, it's not the bad guy versus the good guy all the time. Same thing in UFC. It's not the bad. It's just whoever the number one contender is. And that's one thing. What's that? Speaking of boxing, I used to like Tyson Fury, and now he's a bad guy. <laughs> Shut up. Or you might have just ceased to exist. I'm not sure which one. I think you just ceased. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now I got nothing. I got nothing. You got anything else? Well, no, I don't. Oh, do I? All right, you guys check out our Patreon. Um, and excuse my voice because it has been getting worse over the last two hours. But um, check out our Patreon. Uh, it's uh, patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. We do exclusive tiers for listeners. And this isn't a membership type site. Um, this is a donation site. It's, it's a way for you to help us out so that we can continue to bring out content. And we do a lot of exclusive content, including our non-wrestling shows where we talk about, last week it was Jessica Jones. Eventually, I'm going to get back on um, Marvel Unlimited, and we're going to talk about the Thor series and so much other sci-fi stuff, which we are just huge fans of. Also... We are breaking down all of the ECW shows now, and when we're done with those, we'll find something else. But it's in our uh, second or third tier where we break down all kinds of older older pay-per-views and super shows. And then our top tier is something that 
we're really proud of, but we're having trouble with. So it's probably not going to be as exclusive or as uh, frequent as it was, but it's our Wrecked with Wrestler series. And basically, we take one person, uh, we look at their career as a whole, and we decide, hey, these four matches, if I was stranded on Desert Island, this is what I wouldn't want with me for the rest of my life to watch. And it's really great. We've done, th- uh, what, three or four? Have we done four? Uh, we'll see. We've done Eddie. We've done Rob Van Dam. We've done uh, Chris Benoit. We've done uh, Harley Race, right? So I think yep, four. so we've done four. And we're looking at doing uh, Hurricane Helms. It's just taking a little longer than we had hoped. But that's all at our Patreon site. And it's a way to, if you like what we do, if you like what you see, you know, go ahead and give us, uh, throw us a couple bucks so that we can continue to bring all the content we do. Because let's be honest, we don't get paid for this. We um, literally go out there and spend money to get as many wrestling apps and pay-per-views as we can so we can come on here and talk about it. Um, also, head to our uh, Twitter my Twitter is at RegiCoop. Uh, with me, unfortunately, you're not going to just get wrestling. You're going to get some other weird shit like football and baseball and hockey. Um, Shane, Zanman, L-O-P, um, you're going to get all kinds of stuff. So, you know, look at me. I'm at RegiCoop. He's at Zanman, L-O-P. An easy way to find us is to use our Hoot 2 hashtags. One is hashtag KOH for Kingdom of Honor, which is the show you're listening to right now. The other is hashtag DAD for our other show that we do on Wednesday nights following AEW Dynamite. It's immediately after the show ends. It's a live breakdown of what just happened, and that is hashtag DAD. Uh, look us up on Facebook, uh, facebook.com, hashtag Kingdom of Honor. And YouTube is another good place to go. You can hear this show and you can hear our um, Dynamite After Dark show. And every now and then we throw up a video of just us kind of ranting, either me or Shane, either one. Uh, it doesn't happen often, but when we do, we kind of get on a little rant. And that's youtube.com slash Kingdom of Honor. And give us a, um, you know, a rating there. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Give us a uh, follow. So ring the notification bell so you can get anything we put out. And then uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, pretty much any of your um, your favorite uh, podcast sites. Yep, give us a uh, five-star rating on there so we can continue to do the product that we do. Wow, that hurt. I need to not talk for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. And you might get a 25-minute Sean Spears debate. Yeah. Although, you know, arguably the 
<laughs> Come on, that was the best part of that show last week. Our show, our show, not. I'm ta- I'm not talking about our show, or I'm not talking about their show. I'm talking about our show. Twenty five minutes of Sean Spears debate. All right, fair enough. Let's see. Uh, and then uh, on Thursday, you have AMPS, uh, LLP Radio Adventure. And then we'll be back with you again on uh, Monday next week to talk about uh, probably some NJPW since they had a big show tonight that we haven't watched yet. Or last night that we Which I'm watching in the morning. What's that? Which I'm going to watch tomorrow, by the way. Goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye. And good night.